I read about a lady who was uh, having quite the frantic Christmas uh, season, and uh, as Christmas was approaching, she realized that she had failed to get her Christmas cards mailed, and so she went out to the store, and she knew she had 49 people on her list, and she happened to see a box of 50 Christmas cards. So she grabbed the box, she went home, she started addressing the envelopes and signing her name inside the card. She was in such a hurry, she didn't even really stop to, to read the card, but she, she got them done, she got them in the mail. And, uh, and then a little later, as, as Christmas approached, she had a little bit of downtime, and she came across that 50th card that she didn't need. So she thought, well, I'll sit down, and I'll, I'll look at it, and I'll, and I'll read this, uh, this beautiful card. And much to her dismay, it said this on the inside. This card is just to say, a little gift is on the way. Suddenly, she realized 49 of her closest friends and family members were going to be expecting to receive a gift that she had no intent to mail. And so we are thinking tonight about gifts. We heard about the gifts with the, uh, with the children. And tonight, I want us to stop and consider the greatest gift, the gift of Jesus Christ. And as has already been said, I know there's probably a lot of energy and excitement about gift giving already, whether it's whether what you're giving someone and you're excited to see how they, uh, how they receive it or what. Uh, some people may be up very late tonight having a hard time going to sleep because they're thinking about what they might be getting tomorrow morning. In fact, uh, in our first service at 3 o'clock, we were asking kids uh, the question, and one of them said they were really hoping for a hamster. So I don't know if they're going to get the hamster or not. It came from the platform here during the, uh, during the kids' message, but whatever it might be, I know the gifts are probably on our mind tonight, but God gave the greatest gift. In fact, you probably have heard the Bible verse from John chapter 3, verse 16. It's probably the most famous verse in all of the Bible. It says, for God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And as you look at John 3.16, you see it tells us something about the nature of God. God is one who loves, and He loved us so much, He gave to us, and He gave exactly what we needed by giving us His Son, Jesus Christ. And in giving Christ, we see in this verse that He wants us to have life. He wants us to have an abundant life here on earth, but He wants us to have an everlasting, eternal life beyond this world. And so we see in this famous verse a real picture of who God is and what He wants to provide for each of us, and it's a verse that really connects to Christmas because it was when Jesus Christ entered the world that this gift was given, and it was through His life, through His teaching, His ministry, ultimately His death on the cross and His resurrection that we can inherit the life that only He can give. In Romans chapter 6, it says the wages of sin is death. That's the bad news. But the good news is this. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we can say together on this Christmas Eve that Jesus is the greatest gift. The greatest gift that could be given. And in fact, you could see Him as a permanent gift. He is given once we receive Him as Savior, and it's a gift for this life and for all eternity. Jesus is the greatest gift because He is a permanent gift. But He's also a practical gift. In fact, Jesus is the most practical gift you can ever receive because He is not just a theoretical gift. He is a gift that comes to meet us right where we are. He meets us at our greatest need. And when one finds Christ as Savior, 
everything changes. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. And you know, our whole world is longing to be restored. People are longing to have an opportunity to do something over again or to be restored from something out of the past, a, a, a hurt or, or, or a struggle. And, and, and Christ said, I have come to set you free. I have come to give you life. I've come to, to forgive you of, of your sins and of the penalty and bondage of sin and give you a brand new life, something that will be given to you even as you go to heaven. This is a great gift, very practical practical gift. In fact, if I were to tell you today that I could give you a gift that would solve your biggest problems, that would heal your deepest hurts, that would forgive every sin that you ever committed, a gift that would help you understand the meaning of life, and beyond that, give you a life that's filled with hope and with joy and with peace and with love. I think any of us would say, tell me more about that gift. I would like that gift. That, that is meeting me right where I am. Paul describes this gift in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. That's how great the gift of Jesus Christ is to come and provide exactly what we need. And God knew what we needed. He's our creator. He knew that we needed a relationship with him. We were, we were designed and created to know him. And yet through sin, that relationship was damaged. And God said, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to restore that relationship. I'm going to send my son to, to, to go to earth, to live for them, to die for them, to bring humanity back to me, to all who will receive him. Not just a personal or a permanent gift or a practical gift, but we see it's also a personal gift. Do you remember what the angel told the shepherd? In Luke chapter 2, he said, Today in the city of David was born for you a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. This Savior that was born, notice it says born for you. Jesus was born for you. God so loved the world. And so the question is, not has he given the gift. He's given it. The question is, have we received that gift? Have we taken them as our own? It's not enough just to say we believe the gift exists or that the, that the gift of Christ is, is out there. It's, the, it's the, the, the need to come and receive personally this gift, this one who was born for you. I read recently about a lady uh, named Dorothy Sayers, and she was uh, born in England in 1893. Uh, she was uh, actually a pretty famous person in her day. She was one of the first women to graduate from Oxford. She was a brilliant author. And in fact, she, she, uh, she wrote a number of crime novels. In fact, if, if she were alive today, it would prob probably be more like uh, crime podcasts, right? Those are pretty popular today. Maybe you listen to crime podcasts. She'd probably be all into that. Well, she wrote books and people read them. And she became a, a, a wealthy lady because of all the books that she sold. All these crime stories were centered around the character that she developed. His name was Lord Peter 
Wimsey. And he was a detective who went and solved all these mysteries. And as you got to, to, to read about the mysteries, you also got to know Peter. And you, you discover that he's a, a single man and that, that in, in, in some of these uh, stories he, he was perceived to be someone who was lonely and by himself. And, and so as the stories unfolded, eventually Dorothy decided that she would write a female into the script by the name of Harriet, Harriet Vale. So all of a sudden, you, and you read all these novels and you come to the fact that now there's a lady in his life. And listen to how Harriet is described. In the book, this fictional person was said to have been one of the first women to have ever graduated from Oxford. Hmm. Happens to be an author who writes books, detective fiction. You, you read in the book that she and Peter solve some mysteries together, they fall in love, they get married, and live happily ever after. And some that read that book say, now wait a minute, Harriet sounds a whole lot like who? The author, Dorothy Sayers. And so begin, people began to, to piece this together and say, wait, she created a fictional world, she created these characters, and now she has inserted herself into the story. She said Peter was lonely, he needed someone in his life. So she wrote herself into the story so that he could live happily ever after. Now, isn't that just touching? Isn't that sweet that this author would write herself into the story? Well, as we think about that, let me tell you something. God wrote himself into our story. God wrote himself into our lives. He loved us so much. He saw the need that we had that he said, I am going to send my son. And we have an opportunity to know him personally, to see him come. Yes, he was born in a manger. Yes, he came and he went to the cross to pay the penalty of our sin. But he defeated the grave that you and I could have life, abundant, everlasting life. A life that's filled with all the things that we were created for that can only be found in him. But as I said earlier, there was that barrier between God and people. And everyone knows that when a relationship is, is harmed, that someone has to take the initiative to, to repair the relationship. And in our case, God took that initiative. And he had his son come and be born in a manger. This evening, we have a little pamphlet. It looks like this. It has, a, uh, has some puzzle pieces on the, on the cover of it. And if you'd like to know more about what it means to find Christ as Savior, I hope you'll pick one of these up on the way out tonight. Because life is oftentimes like uh, a bunch of pieces that we sometimes struggle to see how they fit together. And some pieces are great and some pieces are not. And, and they're, they're very different and we, we struggle to see how they fit. And, and if you've ever done a puzzle, you know that the only way to make the puzzle work, if it's a difficult one, is to do what? You've got to see the picture on the front, right? Well, in life, God has given us this picture. And he has said Jesus needs to be that center piece of life's puzzle. And this little pamphlet tells you about that. And so maybe tonight, this would be a wonderful thing for you to consider about this personal gift, the greatest gift that could ever be given. Well, it is a gift that we have to receive. And in a moment, we're going to be receiving the Lord's Supper. And I just want to say that we have symbols here. We have bread and we have a cup that we're going to be distributing. And they symbolize the, the body and blood of Jesus. Because just as we come tonight and remember that Jesus was born in the manger, 
We know that he was born for a purpose. And that part of that purpose was to redeem us. It was to pay the the penalty of our sin, to defeat the grave. And so tonight we will hold those elements in our hands. And we will reflect with hearts filled with worship and gratitude that God sent his son into this world. And that we have the opportunity to know him. As we prepare to receive the Lord's Supper, I have a poem that I'd like to share with you called The Gift of God by Michael Lindell. And I read it tonight just to fill our hearts and minds with the reminder of why Christ came. So that when we receive the Lord's Supper tonight, we do so mindful of the gift that was given. It says this, Long before the day when Mary gave birth, before God formed man from the dust of the earth, before the stars into the heavens were hurled, there was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Before the deadly fall of the race, God's plan of redemption was already in place. His own son would die on an old rugged cross to save his creation from eternal loss. God foretold his coming from the opening book, the seed of the woman for whom we should look. Abraham, Isaac, and the sacrificial lamb foretold the sacrifice of the great I Am. The prophets proclaimed the place of his birth, Bethlehem of Judea, where God came to earth. His name did the prophets clearly foretell, mighty God, Prince of Peace, Emmanuel. In the fullness of time, God's word came to pass, the birth of the Savior to a young virgin lass. His mission on earth was finally unfurled, the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. The way to the Father was shown us by Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He came to release the death grip of sin. He went to the cross, our redemption to win. It was for our sin that he suffered and bled, yet triumphant, victorious, he rose from the dead. Now seated in heaven, he eternally lives. Mercy and forgiveness freely he gives. Salvation is promised to all who receive. Trust the Lord Jesus and in him alone believe. Repent of your sin and for mercy, his mercy do plead. And from sin, death, and hell you will surely be freed. Oh, this Christmas, may your life truly start. May the glory of God shine into your heart. May the gift of God, His Son, Jesus Christ, bring true peace and joy into your life. And what can separate us from such wonderful love, so rich and so full from our great God above? Nothing. No, no nothing at all in all of creation can part the Lord Jesus Christ from a redeemed, trusting heart. That's the invitation. To receive Him tonight. Jesus Christ, the gift of God. Who Himself laid down His life. He gave. In fact, Mark chapter 10 tells us that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. So tonight we're reminded that Jesus came not only to earth, As a baby, he came to fulfill 
fulfill the prophecies of old, to be that once for all sacrifice, which is pictured on these tables before us. So we continue now in our Christmas worship by remembering the life of Jesus, the Lamb of God, by receiving His supper. He reminds us tonight that He paid the ultimate price. He gave His life. And so we're going to ask the deacons, if they would, who are here tonight to come and serve. And you're going to have uh, some trays passed down each of the rows. You'll notice that the cups are stacked. There is a juice cup and a, and a bread cup, and so you can take both of them out, and you'll have, uh, you'll have both elements. Harrison's going to lead us and, uh, and sing for us, and so it'll be a time of, of reflection, a time of prayer, maybe a time of confession, or maybe just a, a time to, to be still before the Lord and give Him gratitude for what He has given to you and what we can receive and celebrate tonight as we praise Him for His sacrifice. After the deacons have served all of the elements, we will take them together. You don't have to be a member of the church to receive the Lord's Supper tonight. We only ask that you profess to be a follower of Christ. You tr have trusted Him as Savior and that you are able to use this as a time of reflection and worship tonight.